Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sag and Pennies. We're going to break down all things Bristol. Christopher Busher makes it 19 different winners on the season. Man, that is going to break a record this year with all the people that's going to find victory lane. Four people that aren't going to be finding victory lane for a championship this year are going to be out 18 in the four on the outside looking in. Boats and Woes 12 had a tough weekend once again. We're going to break that down with Ryan Flores, and we are headed down to Texas. So stay tuned. We're going to break it all down today. This is Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. And we're in it. I'm Corley Joy, driver number seven. Chevy Camaro, joined by my friends here. Uh, normal band of characters, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. Back from a battle. Yep. You're not wounded. No, no, no. But good weekend. Oh. How was it? Did you guys win? I'm very tired. Uh, we won because we filmed some footage for the American Battlefield Trust. So, you know, got some B-roll footage for documentaries and stuff. So I saw a know. tweet. Somebody was listening to the show and actually meet. Did they meet up with you? No, there were two different events going on within like five miles of each other. He was at the other event. Um, we 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 did exchange some tweets and texts. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, pretty well, cool. The show is reaching far and wide. Chuck, I actually had someone in the parking lot say that one of their coworkers listens to the show. Love that. Yeah. Chuck's horse wasn't up for making the trot. He wasn't making. He wasn't making for it five was, mile trot in your carriage. Yeah. Made it. After after we hauled those horses up there, it was like you know I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna hang out here in this parking lot and uh, that's gonna be it. Then I'm gonna go sleep in a field. Pin Don't you thought. think it's crazy that horses used to carry us around and now we're carrying horses everywhere? Yeah. yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah. How, how do you figure? <laughs> Two battles that close to each other. Yeah. Same war, different Anniversary war. weekend. Same war, different war. Same war. Anniversary weekend. Man. Mm. And that's uh, Ryan Flores. Uh, not the tire changer that left the tire off this weekend. We're going to break that down. A couple tires left off. Still uh, on the same team. That's good. One team. One team, one dream. Uh for somehow fixing that 12 car again to make it around and blog laps. Yeah. Was, you guys are getting pretty good at crash damage. Oh, don't love it. No, don't, don't love it. But, um, yeah, the DV, we'll get into the DVP and understand what's on the DVP clock and what's not and how you get on it and off of it. So we'll break that down a little bit later. Bunch of stuff. And then also last but not least, Jonathan Merriman, ice club of mountain takes. How you doing? I'm well, hope you are good enough. Good enough to record a podcast. What uh, what y'all think? I have to, so can I just talk about Bristol for a second from a yeah. driver's point of view? It's my favorite. It is freaking awesome, man. And also, I'm assuming you two weren't there. No, dude, that pre race had me ready to run through a brick wall. I didn't see any of the pre race. Oh, I my tuned goodness. in as soon as the green flag, <laughs> bro. That flyover looked like it was 75 feet in the air. It when looked like it came in the stadium and dr- flew back. What was it? It's like C-130. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like a big Shoot. cargo plane. Yeah, yeah. One of the yeah. big old fat planes. Yeah. It was a fat one, bro. One of them Merriman planes. Uh, Merriman bird. When I was in college at Western, they would fly basically nap of the earth through the mountains, and they would get – you could see them in the windows of the like plane. Like Top Gun? Yeah, yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. When they were saying, I'm proud to be an American, those guys rappelled down from the – Oh, so sick. Holding the, holding the American flag and rappelling down? Yes. Getting cold chills. It was cool. Dude. They didn't even see it. Now – <laughs> sparks before the race is like if that didn't pre if that Prius didn't cost some boys about four or five tollings I don't know what did because man that had me fired up yeah and Har- Harper sang national anthem 
how'd she do? I think she just mouthed the words because I don't know that she knew it, but they all the kids did a good job. It's they cool did. that they do that. It is. Pretty cool tradition. All the kiddos sing the national anthem there. Man, Bristol's just special. Bristol Night Race is special. When you got to meet Dax and Kristen Bell, didn't you? I saw, big car that, that, uh, Yeah, big car guy. Nice. Um, and Kristen Bell's a babe. Certified. Um, so we talked about cars. He's one of those guys that, like, you know, every he knows every single, like, number stat of a car. Like uh, rear gear ratio. And yeah, but his – This and that. His and, car taste is, like, phenomenal. He's got a Roadmaster wagon, like – he said everything he's got pretty much has an LS in it. We got another Buick. car nerd here. Yeah, dude. Buick Roadmaster wagon. I think his is white with wood panel on it. It's it's pretty sick. I, I mean, big car guy. He was on top top gear. Um, but he said he's an F1 fan. So I wonder if going to – he was at L.A., L.A. Coliseum. I said, well, L.A. Coliseum was great and all, but, like, you are at one of the top three races on our schedule. I'm interested to know his take on it. Because he was genuinely excited to be there. Now that you're buddies, you know, hey, maybe. We're not quite buddies. You, we didn't exchange them. He's right. got a podcast. You've got a podcast. Just I'd be on there. He'd be on there uh, or vice versa. I'd like to to hit him up when we're out there in L.A. for the Clash. I think that's cool. I think, man, one, if you're a motorsports fan, no matter if you're an F1 fan, whether you're an IndyCar fan or NASCAR fan, you go and you can appreciate the Bristol Night Race. I feel like you want to be cool and professional when you meet people like that. But I would have had a hard time just not quoting forgetting Sarah Marshall all the time. <laughs> like, oh, be in, me my, me in the Kapua suite. Be in my Kapua suite. <laughs> or like, not us, buddy. Like that whole that whole uh movie is just full of one liners and we've like between me, you, Joey, and Coleman Presley, I'd have had a hard i I'd been like, I'm trying to be professional, but I just quote this movie all the time. But I wrap it all up with this. That's what's making NASCAR cool again. NASCAR's on the uptick. We got the show. We got race for the championship on only on Thursdays and then whatever reruns they do this week. But I'm just saying that when you get guys like Dak Shepard, Kristen Bell, like A-list celebrities back at the racetrack, now we're moving some stuff. Well, don't discount the fact of the class of drivers that we have in the field right now. The episode that dropped of the show, that roundtable that y'all did. Oh, yeah, the NASCAR next thing. That shows off your personalities and that is also part of what's helping drive this like resurgence of NASCAR being cool again. So what it was, they set up five, six chairs for us, Black Mamba, Caitlin Vinci, Larson, myself, Suarez, Bubba, Blaney, and Brad McReynolds, all guys who were that NASCAR Next 9 program. And a picture of Chase. uh, And a picture of Chase because he didn't want to come. And we just sat there and just shot the for like two hours. I was watching. Over a couple whiskeys. I was was watching some of that. Where is it going to air? It'll be on NASCAR's YouTube page. So uh, Monday when we're filming this show, it'll post. uh, So it'll already be up when you're listening. And then part two will go up. It's a a lot of good content going to come out of that. Yeah, dude, a ton of stuff. Also pretty cool. Ten years ago that like, what is it, six out of the the nine of us are racing the Cup Series. So kudos to everyone had the foresight to pick those. They got a lot of good candid conversation from guys you you don't know where he hears from. Like rarely rarely do you get Kyle Larson with two whiskeys in him just rolling. I'll I'll say this, and I'll leave it it with that, and y'all can go check it out on NASCAR's YouTube page. When we all were walking out, Bubba and Blaney and Larson, those guys, when any time, which is rare that it ever, ever happens, when – the guys are leaving somewhere and be like, man, like doing some sort of media appearance and they're leaving and be like, man, we should do that again. Like that never happens. So uh, that's how much fun we had just t- talking about old stories and talking about new stories um, and everything in between. You don't want to miss that. 
part one already dropped. So go find that on NASCAR's YouTube. One more thing before we dive into Bristol. Obviously, the big news last week was Kyle Busch going to RCR with the question that was asked, can he do the Indy 500 in his, con- in his contract? The answer is yes. Obviously, Chevy has a huge presence in IndyCar. And a little more, a uh, little nugget dropped this week. Aero McLaren, SP co-owner Sam Smith, showed some interest. He asked for his number. How crazy would that be? I think it's going to be eight. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be eight. He'll have more numbers uh, after that if you want to get a hold of his cell phone. But over under, does he beat? Kurt Busch's sixth place finish in eighty five hundred. If he does it, what was Ooh. what was Tony's best run of the double? Fourteenth, mm. maybe he two top tens. I, no, I had two top tens. Same I think. I don't know because Kurt's that was his first attempt, and yeah. he got that. Like that's Which that's the is, mark to for sure. Yeah. I think that's one of the most underrated motorsports performances ever. Kurt's, one race in sixth place, yeah. deuces. See you later. I mm. does he better? Does he get better in sixth? If anybody can do it, it's Cobbler. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so know. Tough. It's gotta it's gotta line up to where the Chevys are good. Like yeah. it's just like going to Daytona. Like there's years where, you know, mm. the Chevys are better, the Hondas are better. It's the same thing, you know, at Daytona where the you know, the Fords or the Chevys or the Toyotas, you gotta be lined up with the right team at the right time. Arrow McLaren has obviously been investing a lot of money on on good people and Kyle Busch threw a little bit of shade at Joe Gibbs in this whole deal. He said, Samantha's on board. Everybody's on board. The only guy that wasn't was my old boss. Hmm. So I guess he's been trying to do it for a couple of years. Wouldn't you know? There's been a lot of shade thrown. I mean, we are living under a TP. It seems with the nice. amount of shade that we has been thrown. Both why? Ways. I got a question. Why does it? Why are there always NASCAR drivers going to run the Indy 500? Why are None of those guys trying to come and run the Coke 600 that night. That's a very good the question. The boys don't want to get worked on. Oh, I don't do don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool, though. I mean, what would be a couple guys? I mean, I think Joseph Newgarden would probably be an easy plug. Scott McLaugh- Scotty McLaughlin would be a pretty easy plug in. Dude, Scotty wheels. Well, I asked Scotty. Uh, we were at Indy GP. They ran on Friday night. We raced, or Saturday, we raced on Sunday. And I asked him. He's like, dude, I, I don't think I can keep up with you on over ovals just because there's so – it's such a niche thing to understand where to put your car and what balance to look for. He said, I, like, I would do a road course tomorrow, but he said, ovals, y'all can have it. Would it be something if the right car was there, if uh, Jim Johnson would run the Indy hey, 500 and then come back and run the 600? Jim Johansson, I could see him running the all-star race at Wilkesboro. He got he got pretty, uh, pretty excited when somebody asked him that question, told him that he's still eligible. Uh, he's on that 10-year Yeah. What what is it? So if you want to if you want an all star race or championship, exa- you're, you're it's not, uh, what what's the word? It, there's a word for it, but project provisional provisional 91? entry yeah. maybe. No, you you would they would open project it up for 91? if you're if he's driving for anybody but but Mister H. It's like it's. Do you ever think right. he'd come back and run the five hundred again? I don't know Daytona five hundred. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I don't, I don't no. know. If you're... I'd love to see it, but it's not going to happen. He's won it. He's won it three times, I think. Yeah. Speaking of won it, how about Christopher? He did win it. Didn't back into it. No. Didn't win Didn't win it from Fog like his first career win 222 races ago. No, ladies and gentlemen, he went out there and he took that thing. Took it. On two tires. Was it two? I believe so. See, that's the stuff I don't know because I'm just in there driving around by myself. At least this is what Burton said. Impressive that, you know, they all the Fords had, you know, right front issues. Looked like the Penske Fords. Kind of were 
the ones that were the worst with it early, and then the six car, you know, drives can, up there to the lead, and then he he pops it right front as well. Can I can I just stick up for Goodyear a little bit here because everyone wants to get on social media and be like talk Goodyear, like you know what makes our cars turn better and have more grip is lower air pressure and more camber. You know what also degrades tire sidewalls? Low air pressure and high camber. So there is a limit to how much camber you can go and get away with it. So obviously, when all the Fords are sitting there reading their tire data. Stanced out. I mean, that's what, it, like, Stanced every out. End, uh, <laughs> every OEM translates the tire data their own way. Chevy has their own way they translate it. Ford has their own way, and Toyota the same. Whatever Ford had, they felt good at this particular camber number and this air pressure number, and they were making grip because all the Fords were really fast. Up until it degrades the sidewall where the sidewall, the tread meet, it pisses that thing off enough and you lose right front tire. There was also tire problems going into the race. Right front tires, Toyota, the Toyota uh, wheel force car blew a right front, stuffed it in the fence. So going into it, <coughs> us as a team, we were going to be fairly conservative about it. We thought if we can get away with 3.5, we're going to go to 3.3. Three, three. We're going to give up a little, we're going to give up a little bit of speed. We're not going to go low on air pressure because we can't afford to blow right front and end our day. And we saw it end the 12s day. We saw it end the 6s day. We saw it end, I mean, how many? 10? Well, all, it like, every, hurt us the most because we had the fence. But yeah. the 21 had it first. Then there was 2. Then it was 12. And then I think did the 4 car have a flat? I don't know if the 4 car had a flat. Or the four, the 41 or the 14. And then tw the 22 eventually. It so is, all, it the is, pen, all the cars that come out of Penske had it. It is not Goodyear's fault those tires were having issues it's not it's just teams try to push the camber number they continue to creep down on air to get more grip it keeps going faster faster it goes the more load you put on the tire and then your day's done there is there was 31 other cars out there that had a right front combination of slip and camber and toe and air pressure that they didn't have any issues so it's not Goodyear's fault the guys push the issue try to make more grip make more speed and it, and it bites them in the ass. I do think that there should be a limit to how much you can go. And that's what we've got. So don't complain to Goodyear that they're making a tire that lives long. And if you want to push a limit and find some speed short runs, you're going to pay the price on the back end. Well, then, I mean, like you're saying there should be a limit. Wouldn't that then be the limit if the tire doesn't? It, it goes. Like, you're going to find out on your own. If you push it, you find out. That's you don't know where that window is for sure. Uh, that's definitely what happened. Yeah, that question. Yeah. I know. I mean, that's that's what happened. <laughs> but but I guess I guess a good question is if you know that there's an issue. Like if Chris Boucher's like, okay, hey, PD's up there. He's the engineer, right? He's mm -hmm. like, hey, we know there's an issue. Seventy percent on your right front until we get to the last stop of the race, then we're going to go for it. You don't you don't find yourself in the lead or even remotely towards the front if you're going less than ninety six percent all the there. time. Yeah, really? I mean you're running. With these next-gen cars there, you could, with the previous car, you could kind of pace it. You can go 92 3%, 4% 4%, and kind of maintain pace. If you are not on the ragged edge of the tire grip and pretty much in a controlled drift with this next-gen car, you're not making any speed. Okay, what so was, what was the differential between lap time and qualifying pole speed versus in the race? Uh, so my fast lap was a 1540-something, which was right on top of my qualifying lap. Granted, during the day qualifying at night big change the track gains a lot of grip at night what uh what are the previous car run a little bit slower than that i believe so i don't i don't know if top of my head 
Is there anything you can do? Okay, so you you're have driving, to run. You're, you're driving qualifiers. You have to run 95%, right, mm -hmm. or more. Is it line dependent? If you run the bottom, does it weigh your right front more than if you move up and make the make the? Yeah. But there's also the thing that there's not as much rubber up up top, maybe. So you can grind. You know, you're grinding the tire more because it's your against the concrete more than in the rubber. Well, it's but also it's also not a top, it's also it? not a tighter radius. So like you right spark some other radio and says, hey man, we got you're fast enough to win the race, but we got some right front issues. We need you to go hard, but do your best to not blow it. You can what back you your do? corner up a little bit, put a little, little less steering wheel angle in the middle of the corner. You like there are certain things you can do to still go ninety five percent, but not build right front heat. Yeah, yeah, man. So like, was was Chris up there all day long? He was. The six say, was hauling ass, dude. They and he both drove were. Up they and both were quick. five up. Yeah, they were both quick. I love that he like. He throttled up on the bottom and slid up in front of the five and was like, oh, sorry, and just kind of pulled back down like it the made a difference. Did? No, the six oh. when he passed him. Like oh, he, he, dude, he full-on slid him. Oh, but he didn't do it on purpose. Like, he bobbled and he chased it to the fence. But when he got to the fence, he was like, sorry, and pulled back down. But Larson already lifted? Yeah, like, no, he ran the back of him. Oh. But he still pulled down like, hey, I didn't mean to do that. It's just like Brad, you know? He's like, mm -hmm. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, dude. Roush was a team that had five cars in the playoffs. It was when I worked there. I mean, you're winning 15 races a year. Yeah. You know, Carl, Carl Edwards, Greg Biffle, Matt Kenseth, you know, like serious, the, the best of the best. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's gone on the wayside. There's still really good people there. Biffle was on. So it just takes the spark. This last week. Pretty interesting. Well, it's, you know, we saw a little bit in Daytona when they won the duels. Yeah, but and that's one thing. That's it, it is one thing. But you know, they're coming out the gate. They're they're trying. They're pushing stuff in, and then they got popped with the penalty, right? Well, Busher's been Busher's been fast the past ten weeks. Well, that's that's what I was getting to. Like as the season has gone on, they have started to. It seems like they're piecing the pieces together of that newish organization of how everything's kind of blending together. Something that is a like aside from the team stuff, I just wanted to point out with 19 different winners how, you know, people might look at Chris Buescher and think that, you know, he's not a winning capable guy. That just goes to show that any given week there are 26, 25, 28 guys that can win any given day. That's how freaking hard the Cup Series is. And that's no matter – and that same guy, Chris Buescher, that, you know, or same guy, Eric Jones, that won Darlington two weeks ago was running 17th behind me all day long. So you know I mean, you, like it is. Well, he was behind you at Kansas too. He, he was behind wrecked, me. Can, you know? well, yeah, well, he was trying to. He drove through me to get through me at Kansas. So like, yeah, like that's just how the caliber of guys. Just because you're a guy that's twenty eighth, thirtieth in points, it's like, dude, on the right day in the right circumstance, anybody can get the job done. That's how freaking hard it is. Well, call it what it is. Everybody that's driving in the Cup Series is good, but they don't have the. Hey, they, shout out to Cody Ware, P seventeen day driving up there all day. Yeah, Give a shout out to my man. Not Put all, some respect not on all his attrition, name. You know, and like definitely not all attrition, but no, he. But like, you have guys like Chris Boucher, who's as like Kyle Busch called, and also ran, but yeah. he's good. He's won Xfinity championships. He's, mm -hmm. but he, if he's in the Hendrick, if he's in a Hendrick car, he's winning races. Yeah, right. And if he, Kyle Larson doesn't come out and win ten races, his first year driving for Hendrick after not even. You know, winning half that at Ganassi or whatever, he, six, whatever you know, six, six at Ganassi yeah. in in five years. Right. He never won an Xfinity championship, nothing like that. And then he goes to Hendrick and wins ten races because of how strong their team is. 
all, like everything that you see when that drone flies through there, they were putting to use to build race cars. Now they're just putting to use to prepare prepare a race car that everybody else has. Yep. So that's what makes it to where the 17 can hit on something one week or the 43 can hit on something one week. And we see it. It's or not. 2311 can hit on something It's not Kansas. that like a Toyota is dominating every weekend and week out like yep. it was. You know, everybody's different every weekend. It's a moving target. I love it. I even asked Jonathan Hassler something this week. He's like, I don't know. We haven't tested. I got no clue. Like, we're, I don't know if we we're talking about what we were talking about. But it's just that's where we're at because, like, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. And, but that's what makes the the playing field so even for everybody, and it just shows how good the field is. There's a reason that when Ryan Priest goes back to the truck series, he got fired from his cup ride, they shut the team down, and he goes back and wins truck races at will. Yeah. Like, there's a reason that these guys are good. And there's more good drivers than there are good rides. For sure. I mean, that's, yeah, that's absolutely what it is. But, um, man, I, you just love to see it. I mean, because I wouldn't even consider Chris Busher an underdog. Not at Bristol. No. Um, side note, Chris Busher beat me in the 2004 Bandolero Bandits Nationals in sunny South Speedway, Alabama. Still sour about it. I got the trophy. Second place. It was taller than I was at the time. It was Chris Busher. He won. Uh, I finished second. And James Busher finished third, his cousin, who ended up winning a Truck Series championship. I was in a Busher sandwich. Busher sandwich, if you will. What was his car paint? Speaking like? of sandwich. <laughs> Merriman. So I'm standing there on Friday before practice, and some guy comes up to me. Uh, he said he put his card in here, so I want to give him a legitimate shout-out. Um, he <laughs> Whitetail Properties Real Estate, Dave Skinner. He hands me this brown bag special labeled with the Joy of Sandwiches, limited edition <laughs> Super Shoe Lunch Special. Uh, apparently because I misspoke and I was talking about peanut butter peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches last week. When I meant peanut – actually, I, I was trying to do a Dale Jr. mayonnaise sandwich and a banana, uh, but I misspoke. But apparently, I got no less than four texts last week that people actually eat peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches. Yeah. Did you know that? Who? I'm about to eat one right now. Who Who texted you that? You don't want to know. But people actually eat peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches. And Without also putting a banana on there? No. Just the peanut butter and mayonnaise. I threw a banana in here just to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Skippy peanut butter for Skippy. For yeah. Skippy. That's yeah. you. I've never seen it in the squeeze squeeze bot like that. That looks so disgusting. <laughs> you're, you're about to eat this? What do you mean? I feel like I have to. I hate the smell of peanut butter. Oh, I hate really? it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh look at that. It looks like something Chucky to the battlefield. Going that's so way. thick. That is all we don't go so thick. All we that. had this week was flour. That is going to smell like peanut butter. For y'all that are just listening, I just threw this pack of peanut butter. Here it goes. I got a mayonnaise, peanut butter. Yeah, I'm going to heave. Which which side are you going first? For those listening, I'm going to go banana side first. He's going bananas, and he took a large bite. Oh boy, thoughts? It's not as good as I thought it'd be. Try the other. Wait, side you thought that was gonna be banana. good? It's actually not bad. I will say that the uh, the side without the banana is better. Yeah, yeah. No, neither of which I'm gonna make recreationally in my own time. But um, <laughs> so thanks for the one guy who made it and shout us out on Twitter. That is a mayonnaise peanut butter sandwich right here in Stag and Pennies. I love the uh, the fans that just bring me stuff, particularly pistachios or. 
knapsacks. I love it when fans bring me stuff. So bring me stuff, fans. Bring me more stuff. And uh, let's just get into pit road boats and what was after this. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Pit Road Boats and Woes time. Plenty of woes to break down here. Let's just start with the 12s day. Why do you want to start with you? Because you're you're, you're, you had a front row seat. So, yeah. Come in. First pit where were you guys running when you blew a tire? Uh, it was kind of mixed, like a mixed bag where we pitted, put four on, but like a bunch of cars stayed out. You were one of them that stayed out. Yep. Uh, I think we were we were top ten for sure and probably had the best car. Okay. Um, blew right front, hit the fence. So like middle Hard. lane, hit the fence, come in pit. Well, it's like a that's that's a tough deal because we hit the fence, but the ten car spun out. But we had to pit, so we didn't grind the whole underbody of the car off. So we're pitting. So we're trying to understand where the pace car is so you don't lose more laps on pit road. Did not understand at the time how wrecked our race car was. So we pit, put right sides on. I'm listening. I hear Jonathan say, just do right sides. I heard him say it once because I'm like, okay, don't get, you have a you have a wheel with no tire on it sitting in front of the car. You got to get it back across the car. So you're like, okay, don't get run over. Also listen to where the pace car is. So we come to the left side. I was the only one that heard it on our team. Come to the left side, Zach sits at the left rear and waits. He's like, I'm not changing left sides until we know we're doing it. Graham comes around, throws the jack under it. When Zach, being a veteran, he waited for Graham to come around. Right when he went to jack it, Zach took the nut off. At that time, Blaney left. So it was like, took it off, car took off, wheel fell off. So it was just a just a bad situation, um, especially being that, you know, the, the car was was really wrecked. Now, the question of were we on the DVP, were we not? So after you hit the fence, you come in, we put tires on it, we go back out. NASCAR yeah. deems if you're on the DVP or not. NASCAR deems if you're on the DVP or not. We were. We go back out. Once you make minimum speed, you are off of the DVP. For the rest of the night. For the rest of the night, unless you hit something again, right? So we made minimum speed, which is like a 1750 or something. Yep. Came back in, started working on it on pit road. I think they got it apart enough to where it wouldn't roll back to the pits. Also, 
like realized, oh, shit, this thing's really wrecked. Yeah. So, so then you get, took it behind we the get wall. it buttoned up, take it behind the wall, fix it, like total right rear suspension, total right front suspension, go back out. Now you have to go back out in that situation because it's just every point that you can possibly get at that point in time. You're just in survival mode. You're fighting for your life. So we know at that point, like, okay, we're 150 down. There's 260 to go. So anybody that wrecks or falls out, we need all the laps we can get. So you're just logging laps, doing the best you can. So also not consciously not trying to hurt your teammates. So like, it, it's a tough thing, right? Cause you don't want to be like, when I say that you don't want to be the guy that has a wrecked race car, whose car finally breaks when you're leading, you and your teammates leading with five to go. Right. Like, but you also can't manipulate the race, but you have to be smart about it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how our day went. Thank God we had stage points, but you know, as a pit crew, we're also in the news. Like you don't want to be in the news. We, we had an issue at Darlington. We had a wheel that we didn't feel like was tight enough at, at, uh, Kansas and have an issue this week. You just, you, you don't want to be in the news, but how do you shake it? You just got to be a pro and just be like, all right, you know, in the playoffs every week you fight for your life. That's what it is. It's week to week. It's, it's the craziest, you know, it's just like, just like it, I would say NFL football or any, any playoff where it's one race at a time, one round at a time. And if you win, then you get a little bit of a breather, but you know, as we were talking to Janie, we were looking at the points, you know, Christopher Bell wins the first round, round, but congrats. You're yep. back to seventh in points, and Chase Elliott is is the leader again. But that's a smart thing to do, and, and the reason they implemented that is your whole season, you you Has know, yeah, you, your whole season, you you build and you you get ready for this. That's why they award playoff points, and you know, I think one person that had a worse round than us, like we didn't have a terrible round, but you look at Chase and he was pretty bad. Yep, but you know who didn't have a good enough round at all was the 18. 18 lost two motors in the first three races. Not what he wanted. 18, and now they took their pit crew, so that's a woe for them. The the 18 how and much, the 11. How much is that a morale killer for those 11 guys that have been on that car all year? Oh, it sucks, dude. Anytime you get replaced, right? It's terrible. But they're a great pit crew. That's the tough part, right? There's probably five or six other teams that are in the playoffs right now that would take them. Yeah. At least some of them. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing, but... And the 18's been the best team on pit road all year. Interesting fact, though, the 18 hasn't won. The 18 pit crew hasn't won a race all year because mm. the only race the 18's won is the Bristol Dirt Race. And they don't they don't pit there. No pit stops there. So it's uh yeah the 11 team has has won some and they've been super like the 11 team's been great too all year but they do have bigger mistakes. Yep. So the 18 has has been. You know, one of the best on period. How long has the 11 crew been with the 11? Uh, th- this some... year. Like, they, they've they all been on different cars. Like, okay. Mi- like, Michael Hicks has been an 11 guy and been off and been back on. I think Darrell, the jack man, he's, he was at RCR for a long time, and he's I think he might have been on the 20 last year. I don't know what car he's on. And then the carrier, he's new. Uh, Hard-ass, the changer, he was on the 18 last year. They're, they're I guess he's... Right front, left rear. So, they're they're kind of all mixed and matched. What a nickname, hard ass. <laughs> oh, he's such. A, he's like the nicest guy ever. But he was at he was at uh, Penske and hit him with like the keep walking hard ass because he was he's like the opposite of a hard ass. Yeah. So I call him that, and it really he does not love it. But the eleven team has that issue. You know, he Blake Houston's his name. He comes to the left rear, 
pulls the left rear off, it's time to win the race. That money stop, it's time to win the race. Darrell puts the left rear on, sees Blake go back in. Well, from the time that they pulled the wheel off, the nut spit out of the gun. Didn't recognize it. The only way that a lot of times you recognize that in practice is that you hear it much louder at Bristol, much louder at the racetrack, let alone at Bristol, the, the loudest track we go to. So comes back in, covers it. Darrell put it on flat. He trusts that the wheel's tight. He looks at the left front, cuts the jack. There's no nut in his socket. By the time they realize it, the car's pit stall away with the left rear falling off it. Same thing on the four car. Four car, they come around. Now, the four car has had more talking to Daniel Smith and a couple of those guys, and I think Rodney put it out today. They have more have had more detent issues than most. So there are issues with the detent on the hub that sometimes the nut either backs off on the detent or the detent gets stuck or gets stuck open. You can't put the socket onto the nut. Like it's it almost bump stops it. They thought that was the issue right off the bat. It also looks like um, Daniel Coffey on the front of the car might have not had his button switch, which is super easy to do when you're changing tires and, you know, nine seconds, it's time to win the race. You don't have time to check off and make sure everything's tight if you're the jack man. Two-tenths of a second. So two-tenths of a second is how quickly it goes from the time that you put your nut on the hub and pull the trigger and it's tight. It used to be two and a half tenths a nut, so about a second, 1.25 seconds to tighten five nuts. Now, that is... That's quick. Your, your brain trying to process stuff in two tenths of a second, that's why you're seeing these issues. The good thing now is that they're catching them a pit stall away, not getting on back race. onto the racetrack. So we are understanding more and more what is going on, but when it's, when it's time to win, these are the issues you're going to have because you just trust that everything is going to go right. You're cutting the jack to win the race. You're not worried about, you know, wondering if this guy did a job or, you know, you're, you're just ripping it. So unless there is a blatant problem that someone stops you, you're going hard. And that's what happened to the, uh, the four and the 11. And essentially it takes the 11 guys. And it, it says a lot though. The 20 team is that same team that has been with Bubba Wallace. They've done a good job. They obviously win the round there, but they don't. The 11 team has been better than the 20 if you look at the full course of the year. But they obviously have some confidence in the 20 guys to keep them in the playoffs and pull the 11 team out. Mm, a lot of stuff. I would say this is not the last time that you see a pit crew swap this year. Do you think with 23-11 and Gibbs' relationship that they'll cherry pick and put more assets to the 45? Not the sure what they're going to do there because – the 45 team has been pretty good. Yeah. Right? They just won the race. They're they're a pretty good team. I don't know what that quite looks like as far as I think the 45, I think 2311 makes their own decisions now since the beginning of the year when they had a lot of turnover and then they decided they were going to do their own stuff. I think they were like, hey. Yeah, we'll pick the person out. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of this. So I think the balance of decision making had shifted from the beginning of the season to now. But. The 11 teams one of the top five teams on pit road when they get it right. So, I don't know. Like, I I think some of those guys are really good. But they'll be on the 18. That's all it takes, you know. Watching takes... the playoffs go on. And then, hey, if the 11 car gets knocked out of this round and the 20 moves on, do they move them again? Do they move them to the 20? Like, is that their team that they want racing for the championship? We've seen it happen before. Mm. We've seen it happen at Texas going down there this weekend. 
Have seen it happen in Texas. Told Jimmy Johnson. 12 years ago. Chad Canals. Texas playoff boys. race. Jimmy Johnson had a couple back-to-back stops. They botched. Chad Canals says, let's swap these boys out when Jeffy G was already out of the playoffs. And then, wouldn't you know, Jimmy Johnson went on to win the championship. So it is not it is not out of sorts to see last-minute pit crew changes, especially on a Monday, particularly even on a Sunday afternoon during the race. That's why you got to tune in. You never know what's going to happen. I think there's a good question here at the bottom of this, with, and, and we can talk about it candidly because I'm on the team. I've been part of this. I've been swapped out in the middle of the race before. With the 12 having back-to-back, we, back-to-back weeks of tire issues, three weeks in a row, is this something Penske competition director would consider doing mid-race to elongate Blaney's playoffs? It's a great question. So if you look at it at face value, you just go, these guys have had issues three weeks in a row. Just give me something new. Okay, who do you got? Right? Can't take from the two. You can't take from the 22. Nope. Right? They're both in the playoffs. So you can't steal from them. They're racing for just as much. Got 21. Got 21, but if those guys were better than the guys on the 12, they'd already be on the car. Yep. Got the 38. Those guys were better than the guys on the 21, they'd be on the 21. The, the 12 team is a great team. They're the same guys that did the fastest stop of the year so far, you know, at the all-star race at that time won the all-star race have have put you know they i feel like we were the best when we got together we were one of the best teams on pit road for a couple weeks had an issue with equipment at worldwide technology raceway we lost a race lost a little momentum went into a stretch of six to eight races where it was fuel only pit stops weren't real prevalent had a good day at darlington had an issue at the end of the race where it was a real weird weird deal. Had a decent day in Kansas. Had one nut that didn't quite run up the the way that we like to see it, so he called him back in. You could argue that both of those wheels were tight, but in the situation, you come back down and check them. Like being there in at practice, the guys on the twelve got the guys on the twelve car might be the best guys at Penske. Graham Stoddard, the Jackman's the best Jackman in the sport. Right, Zach Price, the champion of us, you know, he's they've they've won championships. All those guys. There's a reason they're there. You don't. There's a little bit of you. You dance with the guys that you, you dance with who you brought to the date, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think it's a it's a quick and easy answer. Like, hey, just swap these guys out. Well, say somebody at Penske is out this this round. Yeah. So in the in the following round, you have one or two cars at Penske that are out and maybe one that's in, then is that a viable, like, is, does that, does that question come up more? I think so. I think, and it's race to race right now, right? There's, there's guys that have had three or four bad races in a playoff stretch and it defined their career. Like it, it's something that you got to be able to get over. And like, there's also teams when you go there and your name keeps coming up, and you might be the best guy, but you have a couple issues. Some of them might not be your fault, but they're just sick of seeing you in the news and going, ah, maybe this guy's just got bad luck. We'll try somebody else. I just don't want to deal with it. So does that happen? Does it not? You just, as a player, being entrenched in it, like, okay, we've had three weeks in a row where we've had to come down, fix it. We're in the middle of the playoffs. We're, we've survived. Like, I saw our competition director right after the race. He came down, and he's like, oh, man. That was brutal. And I'm like, yeah, it was, but we're in the same situation if we would have won the race, right? We're just five less points. Yep. So you got to, okay, this is done. Let's pack the pit box up. 
looking forward to Texas. What are we doing this next round? That It's like reenacting wars, right? You might not win the battle, but you're still in the war and you're going to the next battle. And that's what it is every week right now. you got to prepare for it. you got to fail fast and have a short memory. And we're going to break down the next battle to the war, headed to Texas, Sunday at 3, only on USA. Stay tuned. We're going to break down all things Texas right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Everything's bigger down in Texas, especially the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. Man, first off, can I make a case that we should reconfigure Texas? You can. Because ever since 2016, they messed it up. Why did they change it in the first place? I think that they had an idea that if they made the one, like one and two wider and flatter, they would have more grooves. I, I don't know why they would think that, but I think that they obviously didn't really have a couple whiskeys and talk that one through when they got the excavators out. Um, but Texas was also built, the walls were built in a way to accommodate the most banking on the schedule. I think it was, I think turn three and four right now is like 28, maybe yeah, 27, 28 degrees. I'm hearing that. So the thing about Atlanta, when it was built with less banking, the walls in relate, the wall height in relation to the uh, infield height was less. Texas's wall height in relation to the infield height is more, so it's going to accommodate more banking. So I'm hearing some murmurs about potentially more banking than Atlanta, which would, I think, would be badass. I would love to see it. Now, what I would love to see is no tapered spacer at those places and going about 220 miles an hour. But that's a little bit of insurance liability. I think that you are in the minority as far as guys that want to do that. Yes. But you're all in on being a race car driver, and I appreciate that about you. Yes. I mean, didn't you watch Race for Championship? My life insurance policy is up to date, Chuck. Now, do I think do I want it to be a speedway type race with big blades and packed up the whole time? No, but when you repave something, you put thirty two degrees banging in it. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get cars on top of each other. But. At what point? So, what is Atlanta? Thirty. Yeah. So over thirty. So, what point does like two degrees of bank? What 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 do you feel? A lot. You feel more. Mm-hmm. So you think if you went from thirty to thirty two degrees, you would feel a lot different than an Atlanta race? Yep. 
Really? Yeah. So the banking nowadays, so you can't put the toothpaste or you can't put the peanut butter back in the jar in terms of what we understand about what makes a race car go fast in a circle. Most of which is aerodynamics. Dirty air is all we keep hearing about. Banking essentially takes all the detrimental effects of dirty air away within reason. But the flatter the track is, the more you rely on the air to keep the car pushed down to the racetrack. The more banking the track's got, the less air you're worried about trying to keep the car in the racetrack. So I'm the proponent of like, hey, let's bank this thing and make us go real fast. So we have to lift a little bit, but also you can go to the bottom, you can go to the middle, you can go to the top and not worry about have to get a sniff of clean air if you're 12th, 15th in line. Um, but Because I can share you one thing. The Texas we have right now is not very favorable on my list. Um, it was favorable on your list because you guys won the all-star race. Do you think you can repeat and punch your way into the round of eight? Oh, man, I, I think there, a lot has changed since we since we won the all-star race. But if you look back at that, the A team was probably the best car, and he blew a tire. The one car had gotten by us. We were pretty good. But, yeah, the 18, the 18 and the 1 were pretty quick. But, like. The 11 wasn't a slouch either. In what, the what happened to him? I think he finished second. Yeah, he did. A distant second. A distant second, yeah. See ya. But I think we were probably the second best car to the 18, and the one got by us on, our, on a restart. So, it, it'll be interesting to see who has done their homework. Like, I don't think the 18 is going to have a better motor than the 11 this week. Not saying he's had a better motor at all. Yeah, was that a, was, joke was that? It was damn good at Darlington, yeah, Bristol, blown up. But uh, yeah. but like so you know that running. stuff that stuff goes a long way. Two three horsepower at Texas. You know if you get the TRD dyno sheet, your best motors are going in your playoff cars. Well, we've seen three non-playoff drivers sweep the first three races of the playoffs. Would have lost We'd, a lot of money if I'd have bet that for yeah. sure. We do not see. Somebody not in the playoffs win this weekend. Well, a hundred percent. I think, I, but I, I think you get that twentieth winner. What if they could do that? And could, it, it, could do that. I think it's Blaney. Yeah. Well, like, what if it's the eighteen or the four? They're not in the playoffs, right? So, so now you're getting. You would like buy the numbers. There are more eligible guys that aren't in the playoffs. Yeah, but they still qualified races. for the playoffs. No, though, they're not so. playoff guys. No, they, they're I not. They're, they're not, not playoff, playoff guys. guys. They're going to Nashville. They were in the playoffs. They're not anymore. And we're in a round of <laughs> uninvited. <laughs> yep. So, like, could you imagine if you have, and the streak is on. Imagine if you have guys, non-playoff drivers, sweep the playoffs, wins. That'd be something. That would be crazy. And it's not far-fetched. We're yeah. three. We're three out of ten, shooting thirty percent here, Chuck. As I said last week, pretty crazy. I love chaos. I want the chaos, and we keep getting chaos. So. Well, we have had plenty of that this year. With this new next gen car and all these tracks we've been going to, Janie asked, "Is is when is there too much chaos?" I don't know such thing. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I, how much right here? How much chaos is too much chaos? Now I thought Bristol had less than Darlington. Like I thought Darlington was a show. Like I thought it was going that way, and then it just topped the cake right when the eighteen leading blows up, and you're like, "Okay, this is just madness." Forty three wins the race. I thought Bristol Bristol Night Race is like kind of always the way it was. Comers, goers, people have issues. Yeah. A lot of a lot of playoff guys have issues. Though. I thought that was a lot of chaos. Just from my seat, I was, every time I looked up, I'm like, oh, there's not a guy in the playoffs having trouble. I think we haven't touched on this, but I think it's important for you to explain it or you and I to explain it. Power steering issues at Bristol. It's always been a thing. Yeah, it's not just the new racks. Now, the the 
racks in these new cars, um, the steering racks in these new cars, have been the weak link since we first hit it on the racetrack. Whether it was Austin Dillon at Richmond all the way through. We had one fail at the at the Roval test and stuffed one in the fence. The rack is not a high-quality product in comparison to some of the other parts and pieces on the car. But teams have figured out how to make them last. So you get a rack from Woodward, and the teams, the bigger ones, have steering departments just like they always have. They take up a part, blueprint them, change some O-rings that they seem like this is a better durability for this particular heat range. They have different cooling thoughts, whether it's a heat exchanger in the water line, whether it's an external cooler behind the radiator. There's different ways to keep your power steering fluid cool. Because the power steering fluid is the hottest fluid on the car. Yeah, like you four or 500 degrees. Hotter than, hotter than the oil in the engine, hotter than Pretty water. Pretty too, isn't it? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. It had been on fire on bubble oil. Brake, brake fluid's really really flammable. Yeah. Um, but so that's from so from Hendrick. Hendrick builds our racks, and they have kind of – we had a lot, several issues. We broke one at – Road America, we broke one earlier in the season as well. So we've had multiple issues with racks that we've found out what all those weak links are. We've had three Toyotas right in a row, the 1923-45, that had power steering issues. So obviously the same issue, I'm venturing to say, that happened on one car, happened on all three, just because it's the weak link of the of the rack. Definitely a 23 and a 45 because it happened pretty closely to each other. But it's a thing like I remember being there with Blaney leading a race or running up front and losing power steering. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, try to muscle it up because they just, you it's cannot muscle it up anymore, there. ladies and gentlemen. No, like you can't just cut Kale Yarborough and drive it around for 400 laps. Like the, no, no, like back then they had the caster built in those things and bigger wheels to accommodate that. They don't have three degrees of scrub radius in the right front, be able to turn that. It is and the impossible. drivers are, and the drivers are sissies now. And the drivers uh, are hundred <laughs> no. percent sissies. But beyond that, impossible to drive them with no power steering. That being said, we knew there was going to be teams like we didn't know there was going to be teams that had right front issues. We had inklings, but we knew there was going to be teams that had power steering issues at Bristol because it has happened for millennia. Like well, like mm-hmm. since racing, since we've been going there with these new cars, because it's under constant load all the time at yep. Bristol, it never gets a chance to calm down. Is it different from last year to where if the power steering belt comes off now, the car blows up, right? Overheats or no? No. Do you still have some power steering if the belt comes off in these cars? No. Last year? No. no. Uh, you still have steering. Okay. You just have no assist. So the assist level is different with the new rack versus the old steering box. So the leverage with a steering box is easier to turn than a rack because yeah. a rack's like one to one. Yep. Right? With a steering box, you have the box like a pulley almost, you know? Yep. 16 so. to one or 10 to one or whatever. But yeah, the rack, if you, if you lose a power steering pump or a belt, for example, your day's done. It's like it's just what it is. You cannot bear. You cannot manhandle these things with no power steering. And it's the tough part that everybody wants to attack. The you know, or yeah. in both parts, yeah, like, crappy parts. Like and we this get it. And that. We get it. I but did buy that shirt. Chase Briscoe said he uh, lost his power steering on lap four, and had to battle the whole race. Now yeah. he might have lost. He might have had like Some an sort of issue. Assist. Yeah, yeah. Like he did lose power steering, but he didn't lose total power steering. No, didn't. He did tweet that he had to. Had I tweet ice, that ice too. Bath. Nice bath. I tweet that too. There's no way you're driving that thing, especially as fast as he was going with no power steering. Maybe some assist. Maybe the valving or something got closed up. I don't know. I mean, as good as Bubba Wallace's car was, if he could have kept going with no power steering, yeah. he would have. Yeah. And it was instantly came in. I don't have nothing behind the wall. Let's fix it. So, yeah, yes. a lot to a lot to unpack there. But Bristol has always broken stuff that you're like, 
you don't even think of. And I felt like, yes, the car had some issues, but they all held up pretty well. Like we've, Bristol was a place 10, 15 years ago where like, if you ran single shear stuff, you had to run double shear there. You got to run, you know, heavier, heavier bolts, this and that. You got to do way more stuff to make your car last for 500 laps around there than you do at Martinsville or any other track you go to. So I thought we'd have more issues. Really, I thought so too. Uh, I, just for a couple of steering issues and a couple of right front tires, I think the cars held up pretty good. And obviously, there's not as much load when we go there with the dirt. So right. that's why we didn't. See that was the first we true the first test time. time. So what's the chaos we're going to see this week at Texas? Rex, Rex. I don't think so. Rexus. No, you don't think so. No, just any time we sit here and talk about, oh, they're going to wreck and they're going to do that. Like we we just <laughs> don't. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to be super. I don't know, over the moon and say you're going to see this unbelievable race. I think that you I might just, have. I just think uh, Texas is one of the bottom tracks on my list. You might have like right rear tire shoes like we saw or maybe a left rear tire shoe. It could be like when there is a long green runs, like you're going to have this weekend, long green flag runs, they seem to be interrupted by some sort of a tire issue because you're pushing – you know, that it seems like the fuel can go longer than the tires can. Yep. So I don't know if that's going to be an issue this weekend, but I think it makes the race more interesting when stuff like that happens, because then you got to manage your stuff a little bit and your car's got to, you got to figure out a way to not blow your shit up. That's it. You don't blow your shit up. Janie, penny for your thoughts coming right up. So Janie, do you want me to do you want me to take the name again because we've got a repeat customer on this? I think you do it better than I do. Okay, well, well Grant Schwarzenhuber is back with a question. Fires off a good one. Grant asks, "Who designs your paint schemes? You've had a seven out of seven paint scheme year in my book. Would you ever let there be a competition to see who can do the best one, and that would be the paint scheme?" Um, so Spire designed some. I more or less designed the built bar, the stack and pennies car, and the Schluter car. Um, Who did the race scheme? That was that was Spire. That was badass. There's a couple of different ones. They're definitely loud, just like their cans. If you can't be good, man, you got to look good. Uh, and I'm always open for fans, paint schemes or whatever. But that's the sort of stuff that's near and dear. So I would be I would have a hard time turning over the reins of a paint scheme to anybody else. That's fair. Moving on. Sorry, Grant. Adam Scott wants to know if you had to build a basketball team of NASCAR drivers, past or present, who is your starting five? But we all know Keselowski is not one of them. It's definitely not Keselowski. Uh, he has an awful jump shot. Anybody can YouTube that. It's worth the uh, minute and a half of enjoyment. Dude, you killed him. So bad. When? Hey, Corey, why didn't I get invited to kickball? Oh, because I watched you play f- basketball and you're not invited. <laughs> you, you, I was like, you just said, and you go, ah, fair enough. But like, yeah. <laughs> like, didn't even that's, miss a beat. He said that. I watched it live in person. That's it's how it not went. wrong. Like, huh. That's how it went. But he's playing kickball this year, October 6th. We'll, ha- we'll hammer that here and give you guys some details in a we'll second. Make sure we shoot a lot of video of that. If I had to build a basketball team of NASCAR drivers, um, Michael Waltrip, probably playing center. I've seen him play. He's not terrible. Um, but he's got the height, he's got the length, probably six four, back at his peak height, maybe even taller than that. Um Austin Dillon is a scrappy point guard. Uh Ryan Blaney is could be a sneaky two guard. 
Buddy he's Baker long. Now, he says this because he played in the Denny Hammond League, so he knows who's good. I do know who's good. Um, but you I also don't know. I didn't play with Buddy Baker. I didn't play with Benny Parsons. <laughs> I don't know them guys. Um, I would play the three. That was kind of my position in high school. Um, so Denny's Denny has a league and he's not good enough to play on the NASCAR team. Denny's Denny's pretty good. I get, but he, I wouldn't put him at four. I'd probably put him at. A, I think maybe I, him and I can swat. I'd play power forward and I'd let him be on the wing. Who else? Who else uh, plays? Ad's really good and he's athletic. Uh, so he's definitely would be probably my first pick for NASCAR drivers on a basketball team. Who do you think like <clears throat> pass drivers would be good? Like if you had to pick one. Who do you think would be a good – like a Bobby Labonte would probably be sneaky good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because, you know, guys are unassuming. Now, some guys you can look at and be like, yeah, that guy's nef- definitely not a player. Look, you, look, if Terry Labonte is driving the hole, you ain't getting in his way. No. Kick and ass. I'm not going to take a <laughs> – I'm not going to take a screen. Build, build your Monstars team, dude. For what? For NASCAR. Like you got Earnhardt. Tony Stewart, Richard, like, yeah, yeah, Richard Listen, Petty. Like I've seen, no, when I see Richard Petty with that softball and he's swinging the bat, and the bat's about three feet above where the ball's at. <laughs> Richard <laughs> Petty's instantly disqualified. Where do you think team. Kyle Petty ranks in that? Because he played football. He was a bit of an athlete. Dale Jarrett was an athlete. He played football as well. Um, I think Dale Jarrett could be an athlete. You know Blaney's uncle, yeah. Dale yeah. Blaney, got drafted by the Lakers. Yeah, some guys are sneaky athletes, man. Some guys aren't whatsoever. Could you, it's really not could, a rhyme or reason. Could you throw an owner in there? You know, maybe just an owner. Brad Doherty definitely taking him. I mean, uh, on my yeah, squad. There's another, another Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, I'll just have yeah, Michael you, Jordan. You, you take, take Brad Doherty. Hey, Brad Doherty's pretty good, I'll man. Take, Hall I'll famer. take MJ right now against your top five basketball team, and he would smoke him. You think? No. Five on one. Yeah. No. Think Michael Jordan can still play basketball? What? Yes. 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 Wait a minute. There's been some cold takes. I don't know. But I, go ahead with this stuff. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I, I would say what actually would be probably a good game would be MJ and Brad Doherty, them two, yeah. versus us five. Well, one, <laughs> Brad's got the height. Good that, like, he could just hold the ball above y'all's heads. How and, old yeah. is Michael Jordan? Bro. I don't know. Mid-50s. Mid this guy has not seen the last dance. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Next question. Yep. I am back with a question this week. Okay. I want to know... A few weeks ago, we were talking about what is a path to getting into cup racing, and you can go a lot of different directions. So uh, is there a path that wouldn't lead you to cup racing? And for series like Open Car, IndyCar, F1, are you growing up and racing the same stuff that NASCAR would? Janie, that is a great question. Thank you. Could you also, which the le- the layers of that question are endless. I would say that when somebody asks me how to get started or what they should do, I've really been saying I race and to start for a younger kid just so you can get the principles of how to drive in a circle and with other cars. Um, and beyond that, when you progress to real life, just do whatever you can do to get the most amount of seat time possible. Whether it's a street stock, whether it's a go-kart, whether it's a dirt late model, whether it's a sprint car, asphalt late model, Whatever you can afford and whatever you can afford to get the most amount of laps and reps. That is what, uh, what do they say? It's 10,000 hours before you figure something out. That's really and truly what it is. Uh, you got to get laps. You got to put yourself in racing situations. So everybody's deck is different. Um, my deck, the way I played it, wouldn't work with how somebody else is because their cards are different. They have to play with. So 
there's definitely a path. I mean, and there was so many, you say, is there a path that wouldn't lead me to cup? Like every single path, except the one I took wouldn't have led me to cup. Because if I played anything differently than I played, played it, or if I would have leveraged different relationships or done anything different, I don't think I would have made it. Cause like the window is so incredibly small to try to make it uh, and be one of those 30 guys that get, gets paid a lot of money to drive in circles on the weekends. Like you have to be perfect and be a little bit, you have to be quite a bit lucky uh, to make it to where I'm at. I don't take that for granted, but yeah, great question. It's uh, yeah. And, but also somebody to watch and we're not going to know this for another eight to 10 years is Keelan Harvick. Kevin's going to put him in every situation and make him uncomfortable and to, to get him used to a legends car on dirt, late model on asphalt, takes them and ships them over to Italy and races go-karts against kids that are two or three years older than he is. So he can either be prepared to be an F1 driver or he can be prepared to be an NASCAR driver. So he's going to have the laps. Look forward from Keelan Harvick and look at like Brent Cruz, right? Because Harvick is mentoring Brent Cruz, right? It was, and and I look at, before I get too far off topic, like I look at Austin Sindrick, right? He wasn't groomed to be a NASCAR driver. When he, he was groomed, he grew up racing Colton Herta. Right, that's who he was racing yeah. against. Rally cars, uh, you know, road cars. He's got an X Games medal, and then it was like, okay, the only really viable option to make a lot of money driving race cars is go NASCAR racing. Mm-hmm. So let's make, let's figure out how to do this. And he's probably too tall to fit his ass in any car, yeah, more or less. But um, but like you look at the guys that he was racing against, and I I, I was around um Santino Ferrucci a lot. He would come around because he knew the tire guy at Storehaus. And he was, uh, he was, you know, bred to be an F1 driver. And he's landing an IndyCar and also coming and driving for Sam Hunt. So you look at, like, there's – if you're racing a late model Hickory, you're probably not going to end up racing an IndyCar, right? But, like, now the sport has changed to where, back to Brent Cruz, like, Kevin Harvick was grooming him racing Millbridge and then racing late models and then Trans-Am. racing Trans Am because that's the way the sport's going. And you look at a guy like Scotty McLaughlin – who, if you now, you know, the world's a much smaller place than it was, you know, even 10 years ago. They're the only other people that are racing heavy stock cars. They're racing on road course every week. So his crossover to come to NASCAR would probably be easier, but it's also groomed him to go run IndyCar too. So to be able to do both is really tough. But the the generic short track racing, Earnhardt way of making it, the, it's the not a, sports not too a diverse now. Like it, it's yeah. there's you, not a you race too many different places. You're not just you can't just throw Sonoma and Watkins Glen out. Like yeah, Ron Fell is gonna come and be fast and whatever. Like all yeah. the Cup guys. There's a reason road course ringers don't come and do very well anymore because all these guys are so good and so versatile. Yep. Well, that was one of the reasons why uh, Denny made such a hard pitch at Todd Reddick because he put himself in contention to win the Bristol Dirt Race. Obviously two wins on road courses is really good can win pr- pretty much every single given week if in the right circumstances so his versatility is what attracted Denny Hamlin to want to sign his guy for a long-term deal so be versatile in whatever you can do drive as much as you can if you're trying to grow up and do this for a living that's all we had penny stacker of the week um that's a fairly low-hanging fruit Mike da- Dave Skinner Mike's brother oh my um, guy <laughs> No, was Mike, Mike the guy on Twitter that was I eating, think the, was Mike, eating the yeah. sandwich first? Yeah, he was a savage. Shout dude. out to him because that sandwich did not look enjoyable and he choked that thing down. You, sir, are uh, a penny sack of the week. Here's the thing, too. People keep asking me, hey, I know the rules, but can I be penny sack of the week? No. If you know the rules, why the hell are you asking? 
if you want to be penny stack of the week, you give me a damn knapsack with mayonnaise and peanut butter pistachios in it, and you might get it on the show. Now, if you guys start <laughs> handing me <laughs> brown paper bags every weekend with sandwiches, I'm going to start throwing it back at you. That mayonnaise is good. It was bad. original, and I appreciate it, but I'm good on the joy of sandwiching. On the Joy of Sandwich uh, the <laughs> starter joke. kit. And until then, uh, you just have to get creative what you're going to give me. I'm tired of pennies. I don't mind pistachios because they're quite delicious. But I'm good on the sandwich. So come up with it. I challenge you guys. And, uh, and also I challenge you guys to tweet us. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Continue to ask these great questions. But also, please like, download, share, rate, review, all the things. Also, yeah, make sure you don't miss Race for the Championship this Thursday night. 10 o'clock. The episode's going to be following guys for the Bristol Dirt Race and Talladega following Brad Kozlowski, Joe Logano, and Ricky Stenhouse. Episode 4. Don't miss it. Talk to you all next week.